0: Hi again, and welcome back to the Author Revolution podcast. I'm your host, international best selling indie author Carissa Andrews, and CEO of Author Revolution, the indie author's hub for learning how to create a best selling series. Okay, so launching a new series is no easy task, my friend. List aiming that launch is even nuttier. Trust me. <laughs> you can prep and plan for a year or more, but when it comes right down to crunch time, everything else everything else goes out the window, no joke. I had big plans of still popping in and doing a quick podcast for you all last week. Obviously, that didn't happen. I planned on writing a minimum of three chapters in Cursed Legacy, my final Windhaven book. That didn't happen. I planned on checking into my Rapid Release Roadmap Founding Members group each day to update everyone. Yeah... I managed twice. (laughs) And even after my pep talk about working out and meditating and enjoying the moment, I was still a headless chicken. It is what it is, I guess. I don't know. It was just a crazy week. Now, as it stands right now, I don't know if Secret Legacy did anything spectacular when it comes to list aiming just yet. I won't know if it hit the New York Times or the USA Today bestseller list until Thursday. Now, for those of you who don't know, it is currently Tuesday, September 22nd. What I do know is this though, for three out of the seven days of launch, my ranking was below 1000 in the whole of Amazon.com's store. Secret Legacy hit number one bestseller in five of its categories. It also hit bestseller status on Barnes and Noble and on Apple, not to mention it maintained its number one hot new release status on Amazon across multiple categories as well. So even if I didn't make one of the bestseller lists, USA Today or New York Times, I do already know that this launch was a huge success and the people who may never have heard of me before are now reading the first of hopefully many books. But in looking back, however, there's obviously some things that worked and some things that didn't. Some of the things I was sure would be the best route and then they ended up not being the greatest thing ever. And some of the things I thought I'd let go turned out to be my saving grace. So it's with this in mind that I wanted to share my listing strategy for launch complete with hindsight, because of course, hindsight is always 2020. Do you see what I did there? Yes, I am such a dork. Just roll with it. It's fine. (laughs) All right. So first off, let's talk about what didn't work, or at least what didn't work as well as I had hoped it would. The first one being the pre-order budget. One of the things I wish I would have known sooner is that while it's much easier to get sales once the book is alive, it's not as much as you might think. When we list aimed last year with Playing With Fire, I didn't have access to the promotion strategy. I ran my own ads for it, but beyond that, I didn't know what was done, who was picked for promoting, or any of the sites, things that were going on like that. So I did all the things, all the things, in trying to get as many pre-orders as possible in advance. However, in July, one of the things that I was learning is that sometimes the best way to distribute your budget is super small during the pre-order phase and save like a crazy person for the blast during launch week. And it seemed kind of counterintuitive at the time. But now that I'm looking at it from reverse, I understand why that is. So this time around, I really did operate with an opposite strategy to that. And it may have cost me we'll see. I can't say that my pre orders are so secure that I feel like Oh, no problem. I totally hit even USA Today bestseller list. I'm almost certain that I didn't hit New York Times, but you never know. It's a weird year, guys, so I'm not counting any of the chickens before they hatch. We're just waiting to see what happened. But the next time I do something like this, I will definitely be making sure that the bulk of my budget actually goes to launch week ads and not just ads in general, like uh, promotion sites or whatever. I'm talking like actual Facebook ads, Amazon ads, BookBub ads. So speaking of BookBub ads, (laughs) that is number two of what didn't work as well as I had hoped. Now after testing ads all summer long, I was certain BookBub was going to be where I put the majority of my ad spend during launch week. I had 14 different ads all set up and scheduled, each one going off different days to build on each other. I had done a lot of testing to find out what authors worked the best, which ones had the best click-through rates, uh, the best cost per click, what images worked best. What I found right away, though, was that my cost per click was way higher than what it was when I tested earlier. So much so that I ended up shutting them off and swapping to Facebook ads, where my cost per click was much lower, even though I was maintaining it at a smaller budget. So it could actually maximize my budget better. And I didn't have time to test out new images or create a lot of new images. So that's why I pivoted directly into Facebook and and instead increased that budget rather than kind of scrapping everything and starting over. I just didn't have the time for it. So number 3 that didn't work as well as I'd hope. I mean, it still worked, but not as well as I hoped was blog tours. I will never say that blog tours are a waste of time, but I will say that with this series, I've never seen as little comeback from a tour or from tours. I don't know if it's because book blogs are kind of dying a death thanks to video book bloggers or what. I mean, I know TikTok's a huge thing right now and there's a lot of book bloggers who are doing fun fun things out there. So perhaps it's really playing a role into the way that book blogs themselves are actually operating. But I also had two different types of blog tours. So it's hard to say, in my opinion, which one actually worked the best, but I think I have an idea. Okay, so one of the blog tours was really basic, where everyone kind of used the same information and posted it about the series. It highlighted everything, had the same excerpts, everything. There wasn't anything like super changed throughout any of the blogs. And obviously, for someone who's been to every tour stop, It would get a bit repetitive it's the same thing over and over and so i doubt it made many people want to go from stop to stop now the other tour was more interactive and had different posts it was focused more on secret legacy by itself rather than the series so it included interviews from me excerpts that were different playlists that i use tons of reviewers actually thankfully and the reviews were really awesome so that was a good thing and for the bloggers who did read it and post their thoughts They obviously got more engagement on their blog posts and Secret Legacy itself got more eyes on it. Okay, so number four was that media outreach with IBPA. Because I was list naming and trying to get the attention of the New York Times or any media for that matter, I figured a media outreach would be important. So I spent around $350 or so on media outreach package with IBPA, so the Independent Book Publishers Association in the hopes that I would get some media interested in reading, reviewing or sharing the details of this book or series. In total, I got all of six contacts who requested the book. Six. I sent out all six books, so I had hard copies of the book, and I have not heard a single thing back from anyone with the exception of one guy who didn't want the proof copy of the book and wants me to send the book once it's actually published. A bit ridiculous in my mind, since the point of the book was to build buzz before it actually launched. Not to mention the book that he actually has is the exact same copy as the book that's published, and I told him that too. The only difference is that I had to order proof copies, since the book was not published at the time. So, this one, in my opinion, is a total bust. And I probably will not be doing it again next time. All right. One of the other things I will mention, too, is when I signed up for IBPA, I was doing it originally just to be able to get onto NetGalley at a decent price. And NetGalley, for its intents and purposes, I have mixed feelings there as well. I think it was a success in a lot of ways because I I don't even know how many different people actually downloaded the book, read the book, and reviewed the book using NetGalley. But on NetGalley, those people are brutal. And I think I've mentioned that before. So they're not my ideal audience in the sense of like what most people are actually reading and reviewing, whether it be the book bloggers or the people who are in the realm of reading books like what I write. But at the same time, I got a lot of different people who maybe would never have read my book before or read any book from me before. And a lot of people actually will go on to read more of these books through NetGalley. So that one's a wash in a lot of ways. I think I would still use NetGalley again for another list aim title, but I will go into it with a little bit more eyes wide open. Since I added NetGalley in there, it wasn't originally on my list of things. This is going to then be number six, Publishers Weekly's Most Anticipated Books of Fall. I was really hoping that by putting it out there and getting it into a publication like Publishers Weekly, that I would at least build a little bit of buzz, that maybe media would contact me or pick up the idea once the media outreach went out. And I know that being in Publishers Weekly's Most Anticipated Books of Fall was a good idea. It holds a long tail effect. But I can't tell if it's worth the $400 I paid for it. It's really difficult because I can't say how many people saw it. I can't say how many people liked it. I don't know how many people actually looked at it. I have as of yet to hear anyone who caught the feature or from any media, obviously, who happened to see it. So overall, this budget, I feel, would have been better spent on ads. All right, and then number seven, Apple's most anticipated titles of fall as well. Luckily, with this one, though, it was a free feature. There was nothing paid out on my part, and it was a great opportunity to run through draft to digital Unfortunately, though, I didn't see a big enough sales spike. I did see a sales spike, though, which is different from Publishers Weekly. Unfortunately, though, I didn't see a big enough sales spike to keep Secret Legacy wide once launch week was over. So those were the aspects that didn't work out so well. But what about what did? Obviously, there was a lot that did, otherwise I wouldn't have sold thousands of copies and hit all of those bestseller rankings, right? So the first one was that long pre-order phase. First off, I will say that having a year to capture pre-orders for this list name really was crucial for me this time around. If I hadn't have done that, I would be sitting here telling you that I don't think I hit either list for sure. The pre-orders that came in definitely locked in a decent chunk of my sales, and I'm glad that I had them ready to go. Thankfully, I didn't have any of the strange issues that seem to happen to some of the authors where pre-orders mysteriously vanished right before it went live or anything like that. I kind of wonder sometimes if that's just a publicity stunt. I don't know if it is or isn't, but you just got to wonder sometimes because I've never had anything like that, knock on wood, happen. (laughs) So it was all good. However, like I said earlier, next time I'll focus on the pre-order phase and more on launch week ad spend. Number two, incremental increases to ad budgets. This one definitely worked. So, one of the key aspects to a good launch is growth momentum. All of the stores want to see a growth pattern in your sales before they start to send traffic to you organically. And then that really brings your rankings down in the store so that you can get eyes on all of your books. So, in order to do this, I planned out my ad budget so that the spend actually grew with each day. In fact, they pretty much doubled every single day. But I also didn't start the incremental increase, like where I really amped up the budget. Until after launch day itself. Because if you remember, I think I've mentioned this before, there were promos that were big promos launching on the first day. In fact, maybe we'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, so number three that worked really well was incremental newsletters. The same thing that went for the ad budgets goes for newsletters. I created segments for my newsletter based on their interaction with me. Then I created my newsletter announcing, obviously, the book was available. Then every day, a new segment got the email, starting with people who didn't interact as much, and then going down through the list to the people who had participated and interacted, clicked, read in the past 30 days. Every day, I went into Flowdesk, which is my email service provider, and I resent the previous day's email to anyone who didn't open it the day before. This definitely helped me with the growth pattern, and it helped to get more sales towards the end of the week when it's sometimes a little bit harder. So I guess we are going to talk about this one. Number four, promo sites. I think I mentioned before that I had set up a bunch of promos to go off during launch week. In all, there were 65 different sites who were promoting Secret Legacy through this week. I also tried to plan those where they were placed in that growth pattern. But one of the things that's really hard about promo sites is that not all of them are created equally. So you have to know which ones are really good which ones are not so good. Sometimes you can judge based off of the price that they're charging, but not all the time. And I found out that whole situation that not all of them are created equal when I did the BookBub featured deal for Pandamus earlier this year. And if you want to check that out, you can always go back to that episode. I'll make sure that it's linked into the show notes. When I got the BookBub featured new release deal, which is similar to the featured deal for Pandamus and uh, the ENT, eReader News Today promo, For Secret Legacy, of course, they both picked the launch day to go, and so I knew that I would have to try to get more of the promo sites to go the rest of the week, or I would have to amp up my ad spend to make up for the days that the big guns were coming out right away from the start. Overall, while I think it was successful to pick some of these sites and do the promotion block, I guess, I don't know that it was as successful as relying on ads alone. The dollars spent may have been better in ads, but since I'm trying to touch all marketing touch points where people really are seeing this book and probably going around like, holy cow, I'm seeing this book everywhere, that was really important to me. So that's why I consider this part a success. Plus, it helped that I was able to plan well enough in advance to make all of these different sites work. Okay, so number five is newsletter swaps. Holy moly, the swaps, guys. Okay, so for a good part of this year, I was definitely a newsletter swapping crazy person. We swapped with so many people to try to get Secret Legacy out there. It was insane. I don't even know how many in total, but I was aiming to have 100 newsletter swaps for launch week, and we managed to get almost that many. It was just crazy. The majority of them were for launch week, and I think I had another 20 or so both the week before and the week after, which is like right now, but not too shabby. Then there was like, the whole year mapped out with all the newsletter swaps where people were trying to share secret legacy from very early on. These are obviously free for authors, so the more the merrier. As long as I had room to swap, I was more than happy to bring them in. Now, much of this year, I was operating with six swaps per week. Yes, six per week. Jenny absolutely hated me. <laughs> now that we're done list naming though, it does go down to three per week. But just like with the blog tours, newsletter swaps can be nebulous. Not every author has a great audience or an engaged one. There are definitely better swaps out there. And it was Jenny's job to be able to locate the really good ones for me. And any that she wasn't able to find or fill those positions for a newsletter swap week, I filled with Story Origin swaps. And let me tell you, there are some good finds in there as well. So definitely check Story Origin out if you have not done that yet. Okay, so Facebook ads for the win. I mentioned in the beginning of this that things didn't work out so well, and I had to pivot from BookBub ads. Well, Facebook obviously came to the rescue. I ended up having four ads running at much higher budgets than originally anticipated. One ad was my standard cold audience who liked Amazon. Another one was my retargeted Pixel ad that went to everybody who likes Barnes & Noble, Apple, Amazon, whatever. And then there were two other ads, one for Barnes & Noble and one for Apple users. The retargeted and Amazon-specific ad, both of them had the highest budgets. And then Barnes & Noble and Apple were set at a little bit lower just because I knew that the sales were not where I needed to have my ad budget spent. I was really aiming to have the the majority of the sales happen through Amazon. All right, so speaking of Amazon, let's go with Amazon ads. I definitely used Amazon ads a lot, both for the pre-order phase and the launch week. Now, the ones that worked best for me were specifically the sponsored brand ads and the video brand ads with the Advantage Dashboard. It's a pain in the butt to get an Advantage Dashboard. I can't say I enjoyed that process at all, but it is worth it once you actually have it. And I do run Amazon ads on both my KDP normal ad account and the Advantage Dashboard. But for this launch, I actually upped the budgets for the brand ads because I knew that they were the most eye-catching. Now, the video brand ad had my 45-second book trailer connected to it, and the sponsored brand ads just featured the series at the top of search result pages, which really is eye-catching and kind of awesome. Both converted really, really well, and I did have a lot of normal sponsored product ads running too, but none of them were as effective as those brand ads. Number eight was my miscreant reader launch party. Man, the launch party. I am so exhausted by it. It was a week of fiascos and fun. Jenny and I worked really hard on interactive engagement posts, puzzles, uh, giveaways, countdown images, and so much more. I can't even remember now all the different things that we did to try to get people inside the group and excited about the party and the book. But overall, I think it was a smashing success and people really had a lot of fun, myself and Jenny included. And then number nine was the book trailer. This year, my husband had this crazy idea of creating a live action book trailer for Secret Legacy. Now, originally, we planned on having it done much earlier in the year, but thanks to the pandemic, everything was kind of thrown on hold until a little bit later this summer. While we did get the trailer recorded, the longer ones are yet to be finished. Like the two to three minute and the um, kind of mini film are still in lieu, but we have the 45 second trailer, which is the one that I used for ads, and the 60 second trailer. But the good news is, is that we have created some fun buzz for the book. We had interviews that went out on the Miscreants group and YouTube. It's been a lot of fun. And it's created, obviously, buzz for the book and even Colin's awesome videography and book trailer skills. I'm not going to lie. My only regret, and probably his too, is that it wasn't put out there sooner. We literally launched it the week before Sacred Legacies launch and hardly had any time to really promote it or kind of get build buzz about it. So other than putting it on Goodreads and in the comments of all the blog tours that I participated in, and of course uh, Amazon ads, that was really all we were capable of doing at such a late stage in the game. I also boosted the original video, I guess of the video when I first put it on Facebook as well. but really it was down to promoting the the people who participated in it and thanking them for being such awesome participants. It was just a really fun and engaging time and it's something that I was really happy to have accomplished with Colin and try to put out there because I wasn't planning on actually doing anything that crazy at all. It was all his brainchild. So with all of this in mind, what's next, you ask? Well, there's a few things. So Secret Legacy was pulled from being wide. As of Monday morning, 921, I had delisted Secret Legacy from the additional sites using Draft2Digital. I also had to pull it from Google Play and Google Books since they were done separately. I increased the price to $2.99 from $0.99. Once that was done, I upped the price of Secret Legacy on Amazon to $2.99. Unfortunately, though, they have as of yet to actually increase the price because something in their system is still flagging it as a price match to $0.99 from Barnes & Noble, even though it is no longer listed with Barnes & Noble. Hopefully it gets resolved soon. I do have an email out to them, but it's still $0.99 as of the recording of this. Once that was done and the changes were published, I enrolled Secret Legacy into KDP Select so that it could be part of the Kindle Unlimited program. And that took effect almost immediately. It was pretty fast, actually. And so that way, page reads were almost instantaneous. My hope is that it will be enough having it back in KU to help keep the rankings low on Secret Legacy without such an astronomical ad spend. And next up is the full price launch of Soul Legacy on October 6th. We're just 13 days away, 12 if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 23rd of September. As of right now, I don't have any promo sites or anything outside of the ordinary schedule for this launch. Obviously, when you're doing promo sites, they usually want it to be discounted anyway. So I'm doing a full price launch on this one. I plan on leaning on ad spend alone to get this book going. And of course, the ad budget will be nowhere near what it was for Secret Legacy. But hopefully it will be enough to continue the snowball effect. At least that's the plan. Last but not least, the final two books in the Windhaven Witches series will be full price launches as well. Haunted Legacy comes out on November 3rd, and Cursed Legacy comes out on December 1st. The one thing I will change though with their launches, well actually just with Cursed Legacy's launch, is that I will kick off another big promo for Secret Legacy. I'm not sure yet if I'm going to do a Kindle countdown deal or if I'll have it go free the week before launch. We'll see what happens as we get a little closer, but I do know that I will be highlighting Secret Legacy in lieu of Curse Legacy coming out. All right, so there you have my breakdown of how things went for Secret Legacy's List Aim launch week. Without obviously knowing whether or not I hit any lists, <laughs> next week I will definitely fill you in and let you know the results, so stay tuned. One of the other things I would like to mention coming this week, there are going to be some changes going on around here at Author Revolution. For the past year, I've been on this waiting list for Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy. And of course, because this is the way the universe works, during the launch week of Secret Legacy is when the course finally opened up. Go figure. I mean, really? So while I'm technically starting this week, it's been making me rethink some of the aspects of Rapid Release Roadmap, which is my flagship course that I'm doing. And namely, it's really its name. Over the summer, I put the course on hold so I could focus on the Windhaven Witches series, writing it, getting the marketing plan in place, really doing it some justice. And things were just getting a bit too hectic. And to be honest, there were aspects I wanted to make sure I was clear on when it came to the course. The time away, though, mixed with the start of DCA, has provided me some invaluable insights into something that was really bugging me about the course and its name from the beginning. As fast as I am, as much as I love rapid releasing, I uncovered that the name itself does two things. (laughs) First of all, either people have no idea what rapid releasing means, which kind of blows my mind because it's something that's really uh, a huge part of being a successful author in my opinion. But to them, the name of the course then means nothing. Or second, Rapid releasing strikes fear into their hearts. And just the thought of rapid releasing is enough to not even want to get the course, which obviously, as you can imagine, (laughs) neither of those things are good, right? That's why I'm in the process of reframing and rebranding the course. But I'm following the DCA, Digital Course Academy method, just to see if I can suss out what it is I really want to deliver when it comes to the information. Let me just say, I have worked with mentors on my books. And the one thing I want to do that's different for you guys is to give truly actionable advice that still feels personal. Amy Porterfield's style and teaching model is the way I want to teach my students as well. And so if you've ever heard of her, or if you've ever followed her podcast or anything like that, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so hopefully you'll be able to feel that same personal touch as well. Now, right now I have a new name in mind, but I am split testing it to see which one resonates the most. And once I land on the official new version, obviously, you will be the next to know. Okay, so with all of this in mind, let's take this discussion online. Hop over to the Author Revolution Facebook group, and let's talk about list aiming and the idea of rapid releasing a series. Do you think it's something that you'd like to try? Or do you think to yourself, hell no, Carissa, you are nuts. (laughs) There is no way I'm going there. What do you think about the name or the thought process of rapid releasing? Are you like many other people who have no idea what I'm talking about? I doubt that if you're here. Or would you be more prone to looking for something that helps you learn how to create a profitable series? Hmm. As always, you can download the show notes or find any of the links to information we talked about, like previous podcast episodes that we mentioned, ahem, by heading over to authorrevolution.org forward slash (sighs) 47. That was a lot to talk about, guys. All right. Well, there you have it. And until next week, I am holding my breath, crossing my fingers and toes. But you, I want you to do some writing. I want you to get some really good stuff on the page, plan out 2021, go forth, and start that author revolution.